It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, welcome back to OzSpears. Great to have you company live from our Barangaroo studios here on this Monday afternoon. You've tuned in for the call, 10 Stocks. Picked by you, and I put them to our expert panel. We do it all in one hour. Let's bring in the gurus today. Uh, Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor. Gaurav, good to see you. Kashi. Nathan Thomas and Dara from Deep Data Analytics. Nathan, uh, every Friday we seem to get bad news from some <laughs> bank somewhere in the world. Why do they always choose Friday? They know um, Nathan's on to digest it all, that's why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost like... Deutsche uh, last Friday. Uh, yeah, I mean, back in, back in the day when you have results season, Harvey always comes out on Friday. If he puts out his results in the morning, it's good. Yeah. If it's like four <laughs> o'clock, it's crap. Oh, yeah. and, and you know why that. And it's a bit like that. Right. N- nothing good ever comes out on a Friday. Right. So when no. the banks, especially in this current... But uh, look, I think a lot of those bank things, they've been festering for... Or, I mean, oh, especially wow. the European banks. You don't have to be a bank analyst to know that the European banks were in serious trouble. So they're badly regulated, are they? Much worse than here. They're weak. And the problem is it's not it's one of those things where they were they got into trouble 10, 15 years ago. There's a lot of banks globally, the big banks got into trouble when I used to work at City. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the City share price, I always say this, pre-GFC. It was $550. Now it hovers around $50. So it's actually down. So they've never recovered. No. So not all banks are created the same. And they had to divest a lot of things, got into regulatory problems. And so a lot of these European banks had a lot of issues that are had that happened 10, 15 years ago, they're still carrying on. Yeah. And it takes a long so they time to fix it. It's too hard. It's it's they're carrying this massive luggage that they're dragging. And then on top of that, they they also have very high exposure into emerging markets. Right. Into Middle East, into Africa, right. yeah, into yeah. Asia. Yeah, yeah. So the problem for them is if you look at where the potential risks are coming, it's more on sovereign risk rather than uh, private equity, mm-hmm. I mean private debt. So the sovereign risk is really hitting a lot of them as well. So there's a lot of mark to market in European banks. And that's what I was worried about the European banks. I mean, the US banks, the regional, the, the intricacies of that is a, another problem. But these things are oh. you, not, you know, it's, it's not a bad job. I've yeah. got a mate who works for a, uh, a German bank in London. He's always in Sierra Leone and Turkey yeah. and the Middle East and doing big infrastructure the, projects. But that's where the big margins are. Yeah. So inevitably, well, they will chase... If you can get them. Exactly. If, you, if you're going for the big yeah. returns, and if you're an investment bank, sense. hey, I mean, I've been yeah. there for decades, you chase the high risk. So unless you are basically curtailed into not getting yourself mm-hmm. into trouble, we will get ourselves okay. into trouble. Yeah, what worries me is, um, you know, the excess of zero interest rates yeah. is just coming. We're just seeing the results yeah. of that now. Now, we, the, the excessive risk-taking and silly behavior has been playing in the retail sector. You know, we've seen it with crypto and NFTs and um, yep. meme stocks and all sorts of craziness. That's been clear for everyone to see. 
And what hasn't been clear is the excess in the corporate sector. And uh, this is what worries me a little bit is we're probably seeing some of that uncovered now. And right. there's bound to be a fair bit of it. We've had 10 years of zero interest rates, yep. yeah. um, followed by the, the fastest hiking in, in modern history. So th- my, I'm, you know, we should buckle ourselves in here a little a bit. A bit nervy. I am a bit nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Okay. I must say that, that that does not mean, and I don't want anyone to think that that means you sell your portfolio and go to cash. Right. I just think going to cash is almost always is a bad decision because right. um, at some point you have to unwind that cash position yeah. and you're never going to do it right and and things stick in your mind when you're uncertain yes. I, I followed this um, account on Twitter called Game of Trades right oh, yeah, <laughs> and yeah, they're yeah. chartless yeah. yeah and they brought up this chart mm. of 1973 mm. uh, 2008 yes and now mm. and the top part of the chart looks exactly the same now Mm. as 73 in 2008 Mm. before the crash. Mm. (laughs) And those, when when times are nervy, those things stick in your mind and feed on that frenzy, don't they? And I think the the memories of the GFC are still fresh. Um, In times of of stress, we tend to fight the last battle again. Mm. And I I think a lot of people are going Mm. back to the GFC, um, but I, I just don't think now in the GFC, that's not the right comparison to make. The banks are so much better run, better capitalised. Well, in Australia, yes. In the US, I would say yes as well. The big guys are. The big guys. The big guys are. The the reason the big guys are is because the big guys feed on the small guys. And we're at it again. Um, But I think the, the, the interesting part about it is for 40 years, we didn't know this 40 years ago, but the last 40 years, we've had one strategy get into trouble and the banks will get into trouble because that's yeah, their yeah. business model. Yeah, yeah. You go hard till you get into trouble and then you go on too big and you get bailed out. Yeah. And stimulus can be thrown at and bailed out. We are in that scenario where that 40, 50 year cycle of inflation has turned up. Yeah. We, you have to admit, even after pulling back, the US inflation is still more than double mm. their peak yeah. range. Mm. So yeah. in that environment, getting bailed out is a dangerous thing. Mm. So this central bank is one hand trying to tighten but what they're doing actually is creating the problem and then turning around and say, oh, I don't want that one, so I need to keep that going. So it's almost like they're no, playing on both juggling sides. Juggling act. It's, yeah. a, it's a tricky one. It's a really yeah. tricky one. It is tricky and markets hate uncertainty and mm. investors do and there there is plenty of that around. All right, let's look at stock of the day and uh, I thought we'd, uh, oh no, let's look at the first five stocks we're going to look in this half hour. Victory Metals, Neurom Pharmaceuticals, Macmillan Shakespeare, Pinnacle Investments, and Bega. Stock of the day though, Premier Investments, a retailer, reported uh, half yearly um, update because uh, their um, half year ends the end of January, so it's a month behind everybody else. Um, record first half sales, $770 million, gross profit, $507 million, uh, increased uh, fully frank dividends. Uh, including uh, a first half and a special dividend, the company says trading in the new half is going strong, rising 7.7%. I notice uh, Smiggle uh, had a bump year thanks to Nathan's daughter, who's just a great <laughs> salesperson at a local uh, Smiggle store. Uh, Nathan, what do, what do you think of the Premier Investments result? Of course, Solomon Lou's retail empire. I've got to be careful if I say the wrong thing. Yeah. I, I could actually get attacked at home. Um, no, it's, it's a, look, it's a really good business. Yep. I mean, Solly knows what he's doing <laughs> better than most. Um, look, it's really good, but everyone knows that it's really good. Right. Um, I think, you know, 
you know, talking to my daughter, um, she's, look, people are spending. Um, I'm amazed at that level of spending, but it's still going on. Um, if you go to suburban, I mean, in the city area, you're probably not seeing that much traffic in the restaurants, but you go to the suburban restaurants, they're yeah. jam-packed on the weekends. Mm. Yep. And uh, the consumer spending hasn't still actually come back as much as I would have thought. Um, and you know, this is where you sit there and go, geez, is the interest rate hikes working? It's not because we're muddling up the wording and people still think that that's fine. So we're not getting the reaction that we should. Um, Premier is you know, one of the high end retailers um, and they're solid. Uh, they've got a decent amount of diversification and they're doing well, they're executing. And they're all also in the high end. I mean, geez, how many people just walk into Smigel and spend three, four hundred dollars oh, yeah. at a time? Really? Oh. If you would, I can't parents fathom are, that. Parents and grandparents. Yeah. Are so supposedly <laughs> someone turns up and says, "Oh, I, mm-hmm. I want to buy the Star Wars bag," and yeah, then yeah. by the time they buy all the stuff with the Star Wars bag, that's you know a couple hundred bucks. Mm. Amazes me. But yeah, anyway, it's, they it's do a, Peter Alexander exactly. and a whole bunch of other. And and well. all the brands are doing really well. Yeah. So um, yeah, look, if you're there happy to be there it's a hold it's probably one of the better retailers but you have to assume this consumer spending cycle that is starting to roll over globally will yeah. affect us as well okay. and it'll see a tougher times but look it's one that you can hold over the couple of years and know that it's going to be around okay go ahead probably a bit more cautious than me i i i'm very concerned about this retail cliff i, I know it's been well telegraphed sure. and it seems very obvious but i'm not convinced that <laughs> It's been priced in adequately, right? Um, and um, we haven't seen any evidence of it so far, and, and that also um, it worries me a little bit. I think when it comes, it might come uh, swiftly and um, and aggressively as well. Um, there's no doubt that this is a good business, got a great track record, a wonderful um, founder, and um, a good collection of businesses. But we should recall that a good half of the, the business is, is actually not so much exciting stuff. Smeagol and, and Peter Alexander are great, yeah. uh, but the rest of the business is, is quite home, um, ho-hum. Right. It's, it's low growth, um, mm. cash generative, and helps fund the expansions, but it, it is extremely cyclical, and, and that's the bit that's gonna be hit in a downturn, okay. I, I think. So um, I'm more cautious about the business here. I'm, I'm more cautious about retail generally. Lovisa right. is an exception because it's in, a monumental rollout, um, but apart from that, I'm not comfortable holding any retailer. Not him, retail. Um, so okay. if I held it, I'd actually, I'd, you know, um, I'd, I'd panic. Yes, I'd, I'd sell. You'd sell yeah, yeah. Okay. I'd sell. I mean, we have, we don't. Uh, I mean, we think of the retail sector as a sell. But, I mean, yeah. the only reason I say is there's only a few that I would say you're going to ride it through the downturn. It's going to be a downturn. You, you. Yeah. I think Premier could pull back 10, 20 percent, right? But you can ride it because you know it's going to be there on the other side. Mm. There's yep. few that you can do that, and Premier okay. is one of them. All right, uh, let's get in the stocks. You want us to take a look at, and uh, Gaurav Mathan uh, wants a view on Victory Metals, the mm-hmm. um, rare earth explorer, has a development in Western Australia, the, in the Q region. So Victory is a fourteen million dollar business. Fourteen no. million. I mean. There are parts of Sydney where the average house price is higher than that. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is a very, really small business. I, you really, you've got to have a very good reason for dabbling in this part of the market, because this part of the market is—it's not pretty. It really isn't. It's—I'll just say it's not pretty. Yeah. Now, this one in particular, they start off life as a uh, explorer looking for gold. A whole series of breathless announcements about um, IOCG hits. Um, name dropping um, other big miners and the Olympic Dam. 
uh, followed by a whole series of breathless announcements about um, them finding rare earths. Um, to me, this seems, this seems like a, a business that um, doesn't really know what it's looking for. It's got a bit, bit of money, a bit of tenements, and just did drilling looking for something. I'm not interested in those kinds of explorers. I have invested yeah. in explorers in the past, and the way you invest in explorers is when, is when they have a geological theory they have a, a specific piece of ground. They have an idea about what they're looking for and they're drilling to test. They're not drilling to find, but they're yeah. drilling to test. Gold Road is classic. Um, that was a, uh, as an explorer um, at 30 cents. Um, they had an idea of what they had um, and they wanted to drill to test what they had and they found out that they had discovered this whole new thing. So that, that, that's, a, that's the textbook of how to invest mm -hmm. in explorer. Okay. This random drilling here, looking for this, looking for that, this is just a lottery ticket, and yep. you don't need an analyst to tell you the outcome of a lottery ticket. So yeah, I, I, I no have interest. no idea and no interest. Yes, I, if I had this, I'd sell it. Nathan, any interest? Uh, it's, it's a classic Harvey Norman, no interest. Yeah. Um, but, uh, oh dear, mate. Uh, I had to use that. We're, we're there. You we're didn't there. have to use I it. To, I had to. I had to. Um, yeah. Look, rare earth, we all know it's the process that matters. Um, and, you know, we, <clears> we personally, we like um, Linus, we play there. Um, the reality is, Grab's right. It's actually quite scary that he can buy a house for more than it's worth. Um, yeah, the biggest uh, factor that's working in the markets, it used to be value for about 17, 18 months, profitability. Yeah. It's actually taken over. So mm -hmm. the market is only paying now for things that make a profit. And things that don't make a profit, you're really going against the tide. So uh, $10 million, $15 million company in this kind of cycle with this kind of risk, and uh, not for me. So oh, the risk return okay. is not there. All right, let's go to a biopharmacal. Uh, um, Nathan, Neuron Pharmaceuticals, and go development of therapies for brain injury. Terry wants a view on this. Terry says, Neuron has just received FDA approval for their first drug, but have a great many more in the pipeline. Share price rise has been exponential recently. What next for it? Um, you had me at biotech, um, and, <laughs> and I've actually followed this. And FDA this. approval? Yeah, oh, yeah. I've, yeah, I've followed, followed this um, because okay. one of the areas that they work is in autism. Uh, and so, obviously, yep. personal interest, so I've been following them for a while. They get a lot of funding for um, brain damage uh, research yep. uh, from the US and defense. So that's been another cycle that's helped them. They, their drug is in Rett's uh, syndrome. That's approval. Huge, huge. I mean, this is now $1.7 billion. Wow. We're not talking about chump change here. This no. is not $10 million market cap. It's actually now run. You know, when you call, can I pick a 10-bagger? Yeah. This is a 10-bagger. Mm -hmm. In right. less than two years, it's been a 10-bagger. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, so it's been your 10-bagger. Coming now is <laughs> like, oh, geez. Uh, yeah, I think you're late to the yeah. game. It's a, If you're there, They've, they'll get a lot of money. They can keep going. I think you know, you, management has delivered such things that the market will trust them. So you've got a fair amount to play. If one of the other things in the pipeline kicks, this goes. But yeah. my whole idea about investing in biotechs is you pick a, in a handful and you go for the big run. Right. This has had a huge run. Yeah. Do you get your money out? Ooh, that you know, you you just never want to take it out of winner. But at this kind of market well, market well, cap, yeah, initial you, you investment. Start, out. I think you start taking bid out, and if you're a biotech investor, you should be in a you know a half a dozen at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is the time to take take your winner right. and invest for the uh, the next up and comer. 
do your research, pick a few, and then play it. But you wouldn't get a, would you get it all together? No, I would do it gradually because I think where they are now um, and the funding that they got, the market's not going to panic in right. the short term. It's, okay. it's, a, it's a big play. So now the market is going to look for what's the next thing that they can get through. Right. And if that flops, this will come off. But, you know, the current business model is going to keep them okay. supported for a while. Good. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of this um, before I started looking at it, and I was shocked as well. One point six billion market cap. I'd never yeah. heard of it. But this is what and, a bi- um, this is what you're yeah, going for yeah. in a biotech, yeah, yeah. right? I think this guy right. boom. Yeah, this is a good example of when everything works out yeah. well, and um, and going through it. I know you're saying it's run up a long way, but it's not run up on hype or speculation. It's no, run no, up no. because it's, it's delivered. Yeah, it, they've got the FDA approval, and um, the the drug looks remarkable. It, it, so it's there's for, no one anyone. That's else right. It's play. the only yeah, one, yeah. and they own the entire IP chain. Yeah. So often with these drug developers, they'll have uh, joint ventures with larger companies. They'll get a, a small royalty check, or they may get a distribution cut. Um, but these guys will own the entire revenue chain the entire IP chain. I think that's price. really, really valuable. Mm. Um, and Rett syndrome is not, um, well, it is rare, but I think the number I saw was one in every 10 to 15,000, it seems to be in women, so 15,000 yeah. females, right. which is a pretty large right. market size. Um, and they're using the same sort of uh, process to, they've got five other drugs in the pipeline. Now that's a downside in many ways because it means any cash flow you get from um, the, the primary drug is gonna go to fund the other five drugs, which is a huge risk. It could be throwing it all away. So you're not going to get dividends or anything out of this. But I think there's a huge potential here for, for royalty streams, um, for distribution deals, uh, and for primary drug revenue. It's at $1.6 billion. So the way I think about this is I probably want, can the business generate 150 to $200 million in, in EBIT um, very, very quickly, I mean, within the next two years or so. Um, and that's what you need to do to be able to justify the current price. And looking at this, I, th- I think, yes, I think it can. You, I think you're you're going to um, get a deal from one of the farmers, right? You've got the approval and someone with the capacity will come in and go. Yeah. And, and then you suddenly straight away get a revenue stream. Right. And so that is the upside. And I think the market knows that. Um, but also the market, to a certain extent, is pricing in some of the next player coming in. That's the risk. That I don't want to be paying for that. But uh, uh, to me, it seems as though you're pricing in um, some success from sure. the uh, existing drug, and that's only in the US, that's not yeah. worldwide. Okay. I, I think this is a solid hold, actually. I'd be happy yeah, to okay. hold this. I, I don't quite have the conviction, and in, in, a, in a big market drawdown, it'd be interesting to take a look at this, because okay. there's, a, there's some interesting stuff going on here. All yeah, right. there was a inter- okay. Thanks this for bringing is, this, is, uh, this has been going on. This yeah. has been going on for more than a decade. <laughs> okay. But see, this is yeah. a classic that you do, you two talk to us about all the time with mm. these sort of stocks. Yeah, that could take a decade. It yeah. just yeah. goes along like yeah, this. Yeah, you yeah. don't want to be in there and paying for it. And then but when there's think. takeoff, yeah, it's all in the timing. Mm. Yep. All right. Uh, this one isn't quite as sexy. Uh, Paul, Paul wants a view on Macmillan Shakespeare Gorab, the big employee benefits provider. Yeah. Their salary packaging, evaded leasing, that sort of thing for big corporates and, uh, and also uh, government. Yeah, I haven't looked at this business in years. Yeah. And every time I come back to it after a long time, I'm always surprised by how much money these guys make. It is an incredibly profitable business. Um, there's, there's three main segments here. You've got the salary packaging, the Novade leases, but they've introduced a new little segment for NDIS planning. 
very small. They only make a couple of million bucks so far. But it's interesting that they're yeah. trying to utilize their um, their skills into a new area. And it's a it seems like that could be an area that could grow, but it's really low margin right now. So um, it's not, again, it's not something you want to be paying for, but interesting to see that they're doing something different yeah. as well. Um, it's a phone 15 times PR, PER, which I would think is fully priced um, for this kind of stock. But I'll note that the cash flow um, is way better than the EPS. And so on a cash flow basis, this still looks pretty attractive and it should deliver really strong dividends. Sort of, I reckon you should comfortably get six, 7% dividends out of this. Um, so if you're a dividend investor, I, th- I think you can hold this um, and, and maybe even, even buy it if, if that's what you're after. But um, I, I think this is the kind of business that deserves low multiples simply because those really fat profit streams are at risk every election cycle. Yeah. And you never want to pay a high multiple for this business. So 15 times for me is kind of stretching it. It's a hold only for most investors. If you're a, retail, if you're a dividend hungry investor, you can right. consider putting it in. Okay. And now that the entire country is run by Labor, <laughs> yeah. pro- probably increases yeah. the risk on <laughs> that there'll be a crackdown. Or yeah, when there's a two, two party politics and one party is doing um, suicide moves, it's, it's actually scary. Yeah. Um, it is red everywhere. Um, and that, that is a big risk. Um, yeah. Last time it was even mentioned, um, the whole sector got pummeled. Yep. Uh, fringe benefit tax. So, and you've um, got that, a treasurer who's really focused on restructuring the yes, tax system. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and the reality is we need to. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a demographic yep. problem. We don't have, I mean, we are heavily relying on one country keeping, you know, building stuff that yep. they don't need. So in that context, uh, there is a risk. So yes, there is a big risk in that uh, on the political side, if there's tax changes, and that kind of shows up to that multiple that you were talking about, Gaurav, that at that point, I don't think it's that expensive, mm. but the market thinks that's the limit because of the regulatory risk. And so net-net, I think you're there, but look, as we were just saying before, you want profitable businesses, good cash flow in this market, mm. and these guys are one of them. But they are also linked to the consumer spending, so if things weaken, unemployment goes up, companies start to tighten, these guys will struggle as well. So that's your risk return. But look, at the current market, for what we know, it's actually a good hold. It's a solid hold. I'm not buying it up here because I think the upside is limited uh, because of the regulatory risk. But I think they, they do well. Uh, okay. for if you're a yield investor, this is not a bad buy. All right. Uh, Luke wants a view on Pinnacle Investment, the, uh, the investment management group that actually invests in other investment managers. It's their, their model. Yeah. It's an interesting time for fund managers, and uh, let's say that. Um, It's, you know, what still shocks me is we have had probably the 18 months, the greatest time for value investing. Mm. Yep. But value managers haven't done that well. (coughs) (laughs) (laughs) Barring a few. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's Uh, like on on an aggregate test. Because they're completely excluded, yes. I mean, value does well a couple of times every decade. Hell, if you're not doing then, when are you going to do it? So in, that's that's the scary part. Um, and every fund manager is down. Um, every fund manager is struggling with outflows. And we've always said it. If you've got outflows, you don't go yeah. there. You wait for the inflows to buy in. And these guys invest in multiple funds and most of the funds are not doing well. Yep. So uh, do you buy it here? Hell no. Um, right. I would stay out. but. You know, these sectors, like even the, all the fund manager, asset management models, they've all been beaten up. Mm. So it's definitely 
on my view because of where the valuation is, but the cycle hasn't turned, so I am right. waiting. Okay. Yeah, this is now one of the most hated parts of the market, yeah. these, these fund managers. I mean, um, pick, pick any you like. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the most instructive example is what's happened to Australian Ethical. Yes. It's gone from, what, 16 bucks down yeah. to two, less than $3. And yeah. it's, it's actually increased its fund in that period but as well. But I don't get yeah. how the market is surprised. Because by default, what they invest in mm. is predominantly high growth yeah. tech stocks. Yeah. So by the fact that what the market did, they are almost like a NASDAQ play. Right. So I think I'm the, shocked that it's come back so the, the platforms case, are doing all right. Yes. Are they yeah. much better the than yeah. Wilson, and the right. hubs, yeah. the hubs, um, the hubs that's right. that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. Income streams. Yeah. yeah, it's a different kind of business. But but I do think um, it's worthwhile looking at some of these fund managers yeah. now because they have been oh. seriously beaten up. We own Pinnacle and it's been a, um, we've owned it for a while. It's one of the, one of the stocks we bought during the COVID mess. Right. And um, uh, it's been a recommendation as well. Um, don't have a buy on at the moment. I think it's just a hold for now. But I view this as more as a distribution business rather than a fund management business, really, because the it has a whole bunch of funds which cover a whole range of strategies. Mm-hmm. And um, I think in a, in a even in a value or growth in any kind of environment, Pinnacle should still be able to do well um, because it has a diversity of, of funds and, and strategies. Okay. And I think there's a lot of latent capacity as well. They've, they've built a distribution team and a marketing team. Um, and a back-end team to actually yeah. service fund much, much higher than what they currently do. So every new fund manager they they bring on, there's um, there's some scale available there. Okay. So I'm, I, I quite like this business a lot. I would be watching it. I think it's still a hold. We're not quite there yet, but this is looking more interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and this is probably at the top of the list of, of any fund managers. Another, of all the fund managers, yeah. this is your preferred There's another account. one that's an umbrella fund managers called Navigator Global. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it does hedge funds as well. Yep. And same thing. Ah. They've all pretty much sliding lower, going sideways, haven't yep. done anything. But I'm keeping an eye on both the of old them. Because, yeah, it's so, for yeah, and it hasn't done anything for a couple of years. So, yeah. um, so both of them are mm. interesting plays, but not yet. Okay. All right. Mm. Pick your time. Uh, next stock uh, is a, obviously is the famous um, Australian dairy stock, Bega. Les wants a view on this. Uh, Gora, famous for its bigger cheese, also owns Vegemite now and uh, had the peanut butter stash as well. What do you think of uh, Bega? I've been impressed by the evolution of this business. When it first came to market, it was a it was a it was a really crappy business. It was a processor that didn't even have the rights to the bigger name, and yep. it was just a, a, a lousy, low margin, capital intensive, weak cash flow business. Um, I was quite happy to throw out after a very quick look. But to the credit of management, they've actually evolved. They've made some acquisitions and own brands now, and that's certainly where the value is in, in that food chain. It's mm. in brand ownership. The problem they have is that they are, um, they're, they're selling in an oligopolistic environment. You know, you, not many people make money um, selling to Coles and Woolies. Yeah. And uh, you can see this in the numbers, actually. Um, EBIT margins have halved over the last few years. They've gone from 6% to 3%. And um, I wonder, it's unclear whether that's the supermarket squeezing their suppliers a little bit more, which would be perfectly accurate with, with what's happened historically and what, about, with what we know about supermarkets. Or is that a margin issue because of um, inflation? I don't know. Either way, not a good look. If it's supermarket squeezing, it shows that they don't have the negotiating power right. to raise prices. 
If it's an inflation issue, it shows that they don't have the brand power to raise prices. So either way, the margin contraction now in an inflationary environment is a worry. The other thing that concerns me is that this is a really strong cash flow generator. Um, the, the cash is well in excess of, of EPS, and that's because it's a huge depreciation charge because they own a lot of processing facilities. Right. So that makes sense. But um, despite being a huge owner of assets and having a huge depreciation charge, they have really low capex. Right? So they're depreciating a lot of assets, but they're not backing that up with investment at the capex line. So the cash flows are really large. To me, that is a classic case of uh, cash flow fudging, where you don't invest as much as you should into your assets right. to milk your cash flow, and um, you end up with a whole series of problems later down the line. I don't know whether they're doing that or not, but that is the risk. And for a asset-heavy business like this, you want to see right. more capex and more okay. they're pouring in. It's, in, I, it's incredibly complicated as well. And for me, the complexity, the margin question, and the cash flow question, I would not be here. I would sell if I owned it. Um, there's just too right. much to, to worry about. And there's actually opportunities now emerging elsewhere. So I'd be out. Okay. So, Mason, what do you think? They're milking cows, aren't Yeah, I know. He, he's... I know. Yeah, he didn't he even, he I didn't go there. No, he said it. I know. He knew it. Was was it. He, was, he, he milked it for what it was worth. To your imagination. He milked that pun for what it's worth. successful. Yes, very good. Look, they do own very good brands. My uh, brother-in-law, who's American, he loves Vegemite. Oh, that's strange. Well, good. Yeah. Yeah. I can understand that. He loves that. Like, what is wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> it's probably the most popular food in our house. That, that is oh, yeah, true. They do. Um, so they do have very good brands. Um, the cost play is interesting. You know, all of them are being affected by cost. Yep. And as Gurev said, it's hard for them to put up prices when you got supermarkets belting you. Yes. So they kind of ca- got caught in a margin squeeze. We were we jumped in late last year. It got down to 320, yeah, um, and then it ran up to four bucks just before the result. I'm like going, made 20 percent mm. in yeah. a number of months, and you're going to a reporting season where I know the costs are going to be a problem. So, so we got, got out, out, right, and then it's come back again. Did I you think, get back I think in? We not right now because I think the cost pressures haven't gone away. I haven't seen anything to tell me that that's going to turn around. I think short term, that's probably going to range range bound. Okay. I think it's okay if you. I think you're okay to pick it up around 320, um, but this is not going to do a lot in the short term. You've got weaker economy, you've got cost pressures, consumers under pressure, so this is going to struggle in the short term. But it is one that because the brands are worth something, mm. I am keeping an eye on it. Mm. I think there will be a time to play it, but okay. it's not right now. So um, do you have a hold on it, or just yeah? Look, I think if you get in around three, three ten, three twenty, okay. I'm okay there. I think I, it's. I think not the too world bad. has changed a bit, though. You know, you know, there was a time where brands commanded a that lot is of true. economic value in supermarkets, and it's so easy now to start a new brand. The marketing of, of, of brands has yeah. just completely been upended. Yeah. And um, mainly by the supermarkets themselves with their own. You're right. Yes. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another. That's actually. That uh, that, yeah. They've stuffed it up. That's another yeah. issue yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm just worried. It doesn't seem to me that they're monetizing their brands at all, and I wonder whether that's a permanent thing. Yeah, that 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 is what worries me as well. Yeah. How much they can the next cycle? It'll be interesting to see how well they do because be they do have the brands. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. All right, let's recap the first uh, five stock stock of the day: mm-hmm. uh, Premier Investments, a uh, a sell from Gorab, a hold from uh, Maiden, uh, Victory Metals, a no, a sell from both of them. Two small rare earths. Uh, Maiden uh, plays with Linus, uh, Neurom Pharmaceutical, um, Maiton sort of too late to get into it because it's had its run. 
Uh, so it's a hold if you're in or start taking some profits. Uh, Gorab likes what he sees, but is a solid hold on urine at the moment. Macmillan, a hold from both, but only if you're after the dividends um, and an income investor. Uh, Pinnacle, a no from Maiton, a hold from Gorab and bigger a hold from Mathan and a sell from Gorev. Um, here on the call, we've been following our own high conviction growth fund. It was picked by investment committee, the March committee meeting on the platform. At the moment, they got out of seven group and Janice and education, trimmed mineral resources, added MA Financial and Austal to the portfolio since mm. the 1st of March last year. Uh, the fund is up about 6%. Keep sending in your request for the call because that's the first filter up. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second to none trading tools. Plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, we're going to talk about uh, Aura Band of Mining, Seek, Washington H. Sol Pattinson, Element 25, and Sira Resources. Uh, Gaurav, uh, Graham wants a view on Aura Band of Mining, um, a uh, gold company uh, around Kalgoorlie. Yep. So their their main production asset is a is a little mine called the Daverhurst mine, which um, I'm familiar with. It's been, it's got a whole history of, <laughs> of, well, okay. So the Daverhurst mine was uh, once owned by Western Mining a long time right. ago, and then passed along and passed along and passed along. It's got a whole history of people selling it, shutting it down, then selling it, then shutting it down. Yeah. I think at least three times in the recent past it's been shelved, and that's in different types of um, uh, gold price environments. One of them um, quite famously was Croesus Mining, who, um, who went into okay. administration altogether with a, um, with a hedging stuff up. So it wasn't the fault of the mine in that case, but it, it's these assets that you see popping up again and again that get passed along, um, they usually have some operating complexity that is not obvious to the outsider, but there's, that's the reason why um, it keeps getting sold on and is never really um, a success, and it's not clear to me that um, that that any of those issues have been solved. Been solved right. So I, I, it's that, that main asset to me is doesn't look like um, like a great cornerstone asset. Um, this 1.4 billion bits of paper as well. So they've constantly <laughs> raised capital, and they've got a whole bunch of other assets. But these also seem small and insignificant. A tiny production base. They've changed their name three times, right? Um, and that's and they may you may laugh at that. Maybe that doesn't mean anything. But I've seen enough miners to know that mm. constant name changes are actually a warning sign. Yeah. No business that's going well or that has um, confidence in its future continually changes yeah. its name. Um, so right. I see no reason. And they, they've got a, a large capex program coming up. Um, they still have debt on the balance sheet. The economics do not look promising to me. I, I would sell this. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, gold miners, I know the gold price is really high, but the the production economics of gold miners looks crap. Um, you know, there's very few, you, you, at the at Aussie dollar terms, the gold price has never been higher. We're seeing yes. $3,000. We should be seeing an avalanche of profits and dividends from goldies. And we're seeing high debt levels and, and crappy cash flow. Uh, that's a huge warning sign for the mm. sector. You know, um, I think the entire, uh, industry in Australia is really struggling, and I'm not tempted by any gold miner, with the possible exception 
of Gold Road, which I think remains the um, the okay. standout. Uh, Nathan, gold stocks. Yeah. You're a big fan of gold stocks a couple of months ago. Oh no, no, still? We're, we're still. Um, no. I think there's um, there's a real chance that we could have a, a real breakout in the gold price because of what's happening on the global right. macro. Um, because part of the reason why we have the problems that we are seeing is because we've had such prolonged manipulated market and they're trying to normalize and hasn't been done before uh, right. things are breaking which is what we expected and so is this breaking. on your list um, this is not on my list they've just raised money they've raised about uh, 30, 30 mil? yeah yeah um, uh, look we've got big producing businesses in the gold sector yeah, yeah. that are really cheap yeah and but they're making no money well I mean the, uh, even the bigger guys like Northern Star and so forth they're offering a, a decent upside. Nah, look, look at their cash flow yields. Yeah. When, when coal or iron ore was at record highs, um, the cash flow coming out of those companies yep. was, you're talking about 30, 40, sure. 50% cash flow yields. I can't, there's not many goldies that give you a high single digit cash that, flow yield. And yeah. this is where I think the, the overall mining sector, so the costs have yes, gone through right. the roof. Yep. And everyone's got this problem. Yeah, you're right. Uh, people only yeah. concentrate on the cost of gold stocks. Yeah. <laughs> they don't look at the other yeah, gold yeah. miners, and everyone's got the same problem. Yeah. I think in that context, where inflation can go nuts is because I don't think if the costs are not coming down, then people yeah. have to pay up, and there aren't too many new places coming in to oh. add more supply. So in that context, commodity prices can really run in a in, in this kind of environment. So. I, I still like the gold price. Um, I still think that, I mean, I don't try and pick a price. I just think whether it's positive or negative, and I, I still see the positive outweighing negative. Um, and I think the gold sector in Australia has that free kick off, okay. I think, as the global growth gets into trouble, Aussie dollar falls, and that increases. You know, a wild idea that I'm going to throw out there is um, African miners, which I've, which is, I know, that's the right, that's the right reaction. I know, because <laughs> in these kind um, of environments, you literally lose your mind. Perseus uh, had, um, yes. had a cracking, maybe, maybe the one of the best mining it, results it, it is the th That um, is one yeah. that is a, such a unique and yeah. such a really good performer that the fact that I wanted to stay away from the risky mines, yeah, I had yeah. to stay away from it, but it's done so well. You sit there and go, you knew it, but you can't do anything. Right. So it's, it's because um, the gold price is up and in Africa, they don't have the same inflation pressures yes. that we have in WA in particular. Right. So you, you're able to capture the margin for staff and, for staff and equipment um, right. and drill rigs. Um, right. So it's, it's but a different- This is where right. Gold Road, is that on your list? Yes, uh, right. we like Northern Star, Evolution, Gold Road, right. West uh, I'm taking Evolution off the list. That looks like right. it, it's in trouble to me. Um, no, yeah. I think the, the beauty of I think where we are in the cycle, the, a lot of them are carrying debt. Way but too I much think debt. I think the, yeah. where the cash flow is coming from, I think that'll improve, ah. and suddenly these things will turn around. Yeah. So yeah. I'm actually looking at a decent upside in gold price, and and I could be wrong, but at this point in the cycle, that's what normally happens, okay. and that's where we can benefit out of it. All right, um, Jeremy Maitre-Montavion Seek, the uh, big employment platform. Yeah. Um, we have the lowest unemployment uh, everywhere, <laughs> and Sikhs not doing that well. Um, mm. And then on top of that, it always hits the lowest in you know multi years before things get into trouble and unemployment yeah. goes up. I am expecting unemployment to go up. I am expecting what every um, economist and central bank is forecasting will be wrong because it always goes up more than what they think on the cycle when it breaks, um, and. And Seek is one of those plays, and it has emerging market exposure, all of those things. So I'm not running into, is a growth stock, 
emerging market exposure, employment. Mm. All three for me are danger signs. Mm. So I'm not jumping in. It's a high quality business. Yep. But now is not the time. There will be a time, I reckon, later this year, you jump all over it. Uh, but now is not the time. But look, it's, it's actually done quite well for the risks that it's running against. Uh, but I, I think there's tough times. I mean, we are currently sitting pretty close to where it was trading pre-pandemic. Hmm. There's a lot of negative macro out there. So yeah. for me, I think it's high risk. Okay. I actually agree with Nathan. He's, right. he's finally got one right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there's, there's actually an elevated level of risk in Seek. Yeah. Um, and there's no question. This is actually one of the best businesses on the ASX. Yeah. Everyone knows it. Um, and maybe that's what's keeping the share price up because I'm surprised it is where it is as well. Yeah. But um, we're, I think we're about to test how cyclical this business is. And uh, the emerging market exposure is is There uh, is a few, few tech stocks yeah. that people think are a lot more defensive than what yes. they are yes. in reality. Yeah. And we're going to find out in 2020. This is going to be the test. Right. Yep. Right. Uh, the lesson over the last 10 years has been do not sell a high quality business. Yes. Um, yeah. And that's a lesson I not only did I learn, but I used to advocate. But but uh, I think that's a mistake. I think that's a mistake. I think you so got you'd to, be selling so I would be selling it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I think you just got to be careful about valuation a bit more in this kind of market. And yeah. there are, as I said, there are there are opportunities. I think small caps are the cheapest I've seen them in years. Yep. Yeah. I, I would rather sell okay. this and, and start nibbling on a couple right. of little companies. Um, what about Washington? Eight sold patents. Um, uh, James wants a view run by the Milner mm. family, uh, basically an investment vehicle. Whole bunch of uh, companies ranging from um, what was the the transport company that we at Lindsay, Lindsay. Transport yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, through to Brickworks and the whole lot. Regard as being the best in the business, they just reported as well. They had six months end of January increased dividends twenty four percent. Um, but then in their statement, this came out last Thursday, mm. uh, Todd Barlow, the chief executive, saying the portfolio is defensively positioned. We're holding a material cash position mm. and new investments target attractive risk-adjusted returns. Um, they have a, a whole note saying basically that they're changing their investment position. Now, everyone says they're one of the best investors on the market. Should we be following this as well? Yeah, these I, are the companies. I read so. that. that. That was quite it's an eye opener. Was it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah there, are, there are competing thoughts here. I mean, as I said, the the lesson of the last ten years has been don't sell, keep invested, um, and I think that's proven to be a, a, a broken thesis. You know, yep. I don't think that's the right way to do things. Um, I, I actually think it is time to get a bit more defensive. Um, I've right. been a bit more defensive in my portfolio. We're, we're holding unusually large cash balances um, across the intelligent investor funds. Um, so what's unusually large? In, in the ethical fund, we have a 30% cash weighting, oh, which we've okay. never done before. Right. And it's partly because we just can't find stuff, but it's yeah. also because our hurdle rates are high at the mm. moment. Right. And, um, and so we require a, a really good opportunity to, to get out of cash. Um, so Souls is a, is a wonderful business. I am a huge fan of Souls. We've had this, we've um, recommended this on and off over, over a 10 year period. I'm yeah. the analyst on it. I've covered it for a long time and I've recommended it on and off for years. Um, for me, this is the, the kind of business where it's, a, it's an ETF replacement. I would yeah. rather own Souls than, a, than an ASX ETF. Right. Because I think the ASX mm. is uniquely in, unbalanced um, as an yeah. index. It's, it's miners and banks 50%. You've got a couple of other large companies. 
And it's just not enough if you're a passive investor. It's not enough diversification. Whereas this is actively managed by really smart people who, who care about their capital and care about the returns, the best dividend history on the ASX. Um, and uh, if you look at the portfolio of companies they own, no one would look through them and say, this is the best quality portfolio we can find. But um, they milk the cash from those businesses and they reinvest it in other different things. One thing that was clear from the result that I found interesting was that they're breaking out and diversifying a lot more than they have in the past. They have a real estate strategy, a private equity strategy, and that's where a lot of the growth is coming from. I think that's yep. quite interesting. Um, and a structured yield portfolio. Yeah, that was interesting. I haven't yeah. seen that from them either, really. No, it's a I small part, but yeah, it shows that they're just being a bit more creative to, to get the returns. Yeah. And I, I, I like seeing that. Uh, this is a hold for me. It's it's hard to sell this. It, it's trading around just a small premium to asset value, which I think is fine. You can make the case for, for buying it, but the yield is particularly low at the moment. Right. Um, so it's a, it's a hold only, but yeah. um, this is a wonderful business. Dividends going. Yeah, New Hope, has, has, New Hope hasn't paid out as much as I thought they would have, actually. I think they're holding out for, you know, they're, they're bidding on these on these BHP mines. So yeah. I think they're just, okay. everyone's holding on to cash a little bit. Mm. Nathan, what do you think of Soul Pads? Oh, look, it's, um, it's one of the list of private equity businesses that we love. Mm. Um, you know, we did a show for the kids and, you know, you're looking at, if you want to pick a stock for a multi-decade, yeah. this is one of them. Um, and you, you know they, you can go to bed and know that they're going to be around in, yep. in a decade to come. And um, oh look, I think they're great. Um, the valuations come off a bit. It's actually held up better than most. Um, out of the private listed ones like West Farmers, Macquarie, mm -hmm. Goodman Group, um, you know, in, in that environment, Infratel, um, Saul, and we've we've only got I think West Farmers in our model mm. for, for the yield play. Same um, and. Saul ticks into that. I would say it's probably closer than anything else. Right. Uh, we are not in any of the other ones because we think the multiple is still too high. Yeah. Um, look, I think what they're doing. Look, you know, we're holding a lot of cash, so in that context, um, we've been defensive. Market is moving to us, um, so I'm happy with that. What Saul's saying makes sense, and the fact that they're looking at different things is exactly what we've been doing for the last 12 months. We've been yeah. investigating different ways of managing risk because we know what's coming and how do we manage that, especially in a market where most asset classes are correlated. So it's really hard. So they're looking at different unique way of trying to manage risk and I understand that. Um, so they are good. Um, it's a hold for me, it's a solid hold. Um, I think it'll come back with the market, but not as much. So again, this is a stock you can hold for multi-decades. So okay. uh, big fan. So, uh, Solpats, West Farmers. West Farmers, Macquarie. No, the other two that you prefer. The only two out of those ones that. Out of them all. Out of the, out of the rest, yeah. And Macquarie mm. doesn't even make it. No, yeah, they're good. They're not that good. Um, <laughs> you know, you've got the cycle against you. It, it, it's That's an asset a manager. Slap down, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. They're good, but they're not that good. But the thing is, if you think about it, I mean, I, I think the banks are a massive sell. Yeah. Right? Nobody's going to sell it, but it's a massive sell. Macquarie is good. But nobody's going to, like, I think the, the factors are still the same. The asset price play. So yep. they will struggle. And Solpat's actually, they hold 12% of their portfolio in Macquarie at the moment, oh, which yeah. I think was interesting. It's an unusual time for, for them to step up and buy Macquarie. I thought that was interesting. It's it made me think twice about Macquarie. Mm. Yeah, oh, look, I think they're the, they are the best out of the, you know, out of the banks but they're not a bank, but yeah, um, yeah they're, they're going to do better than the banks. I think the, the cycle for Macquarie on the way up 
is much better than any other bank. So that's the regard you have for sole pads. Yeah. That you're surprised they were increasing their yeah, stake yeah. in Macquarie. That prompted you to go back and look at Macquarie. Well, I haven't done it yet, but I, I will do it. I will do it. Yeah. 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 When a smart person does yes. something that you're not doing, if you don't go back and look at what you're doing, you're an yeah. idiot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly yeah. right. All right. Um, John wants a view, uh, Gaurav, on Element 25, the manganese, copper and gold uh, group in Western Australia. Uh, operate the Butcher Bird manganese yeah. project. Yeah, it's not a project I know, I've got to say. I've, I've, Element 25, I've heard the name thrown around, but I've yeah. never looked at it in detail. It's a $100 million business. Um, they're $40 million in cash, so they're, they're pretty well funded. And this manganese project looks quite interesting as a, as a manganese project, but the ambitions of the company are so breathtaking that I was just, I was quite staggered. <laughs> so they wanted, most companies would be happy to mine the mang- manganese ore. Yep. And after they've established an operating mine, they'll use the cash flows from that mine to then move upstream and do um, processing of, mm-hmm. of manganese into a final product and earn the additional margin. BHP did that, and when they hived off South 32, South 32 was doing that until they ran oh. into energy issues in South Africa and hived off processing, but that's a different story. These guys in one <laughs> swoop want to do mining, not only processing, but but final product, um, it, it turn the processed product into a final product for, for battery cathodes. And uh, that to me, for a $100 million business to do all that, it's just remarkable, remarkable arrogance. <laughs> I don't mean arrogance in a bad way. Every business is arrogant. Yeah, Every business yeah, yeah. comes out and says, we can do this better than anyone else. And I think you need that. That's great. But it's not the way I would have expected things right. to run. I haven't seen this kind of um, leapfrogging of, of processes before. Okay. Maybe just watch it because if they pull it off, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah. And they have actually signed offtake agreements, which amazes me that they've already got an offtake. It's not a sealed offtake. It's a one of those temporary offtakes. But... Interesting. Um, for me, it's, it's, I wouldn't go there yet. Um, South 32 is the world's largest manganese producer. There is an interesting bull case for manganese. Manganese is increasingly being used as a cathode material alongside lithium. Um, there's lots of different chemistries coming out for batteries, and manganese is featuring heavily in, in new chemistry sets. So it's, okay. it's one to keep an eye on, one yeah. to watch. If they were doing just the mine, I'd be more interested because the mine actually looks interesting. Um, and the, they're avoiding, it's unusual because they don't use any explosives in, the, um, in releasing ore. It's, it's so um, close to surface, they can just excavate mm. and dig without the use of explosives. So that, that's amazing for their cost position. I would like to see Element 25 go back to being just a rock miner and then get cash flow and, and then do the, the processing right. later. Yep. If they did that, I'd have a look at it. As it stands now, they're horrifyingly ambitious and, and, <laughs> <Right>. and avoid. <laughs> but imagine if they pull it off. If they pull it off, it'd be something. Yeah, it'd be something. It'd, it'd be yeah, amazing, yeah. isn't it? Um, oh, look, the steam's coming off all battery tech uh, commodities um, and scary actually, because there's a few brokers who are overly bullish and now have become bearish. And you can see on substantials, a lot of brokers are popping up on lithium stocks. That usually means they're taking a position so that a client can borrow off them to short the stock. Really? Yeah. Brokers don't go long uh, lithium stock. (laughs) They're only holding it for some other person to short it because they need to borrow. Uh, So whenever you see brokers Mm. going like, you know, JP Morgan. Yes. Um, And some of the smaller ones people are going into. And so I can see they're like there's negative stories, brokers going right. long, it's all these things. So EV commodities in the short term are going to be weak. 
Um, and you can see the lithium play through IGO and MinRes, all of those are coming off as well. Yeah. Uh, and so they've, been, they've had a really good kick out of it, now it's coming off. So I think the EV commodities are going to struggle short term. Um, and this is, and it's a new one, I didn't know about it. And you know, manganese, you know, usually Sat32 or okay. something like that. Yeah. So now to see someone else, it's interesting. And yeah, so I didn't get all that. So it's good that your explanation how they're going through the whole thing. Mm. That's pretty, you know, I actually like it the other way. I like <laughs> the fact that they're going for they're a going big for swing. It. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a biotech thing, right? You yeah, go yeah. for the blue sky. Oh, probably, so you'll be in it for the big swing? Uh, oh, look, I, th I think you've got time, right? Right now, the momentum is not with wow. you. No, <laughs> no, I think, no, no, no. I'm no, not in any no, of the EV. That's code for, well, no. <laughs> yeah, well, no. Because the thing is, mm. um, uh, we're not in any of the EV play, apart right. from Linus on Rare Earth. But right. that's, for me, multiple plays. Not even uh, Minrez. No. You're not holding uh, yeah. so, Minrez. No. Oh, um, so, don't know about that. <laughs> it's been right in the last couple of months. But anyway... Um, so we, we are staying out, but I think this this is okay. actually one that's now popped up. I, I would keep an eye right. on it, see what happens. Right. Too early though. Yeah. Uh, well, what about this one though? We're um, still in the same area. Paul wants a view, Maton on Syrah, uh, the big uh, has the big graphite mine in Mozambique. Uh, Paul says there's more graphite than anything else in electric car uh, electric batteries, yet they're languishing for years behind lithium companies after a recent rise. We're now back to roughly where we were this time last year. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's about how the bubbles work. Yeah. So when you get ramped up, lithium was ramped up as there is not enough, and yeah. then suddenly there's too much, and we all know this happens every time. And graphite, and you know, we've been through graphite a number of times on this kind of cycle. Mm. Well, uh, everyone's saying, well, copper's the next one. Well, yeah. the, the good thing about copper is because it's used in everything, including right. you know, so, so you have a bit more defensive. Yeah. Um, so in that context, yeah, I like that in that context. But uh, look, I think Cirrus got good deals. It's a it's a decent sized business, but again, the EV thematic is played too hard and it's yep. the hot money is coming off and in the short term i think that'll hit them so again not you know you at the moment. not right I'm, I'm keeping an eye on all of these yep. ones because hot money comes off really fast just yep. like it gets ramped up and then when that happens your buying opportunity comes yep. but not right now Correct. yeah the the caller is just um he's just articulated um i think a bit of a misnomer and and a narrative um error and, and that's that um, that rare earths belongs alongside um, lithium in this EV boom. And yep. I, I don't think that's true. I mean, yes, yes, there's a lot of graphite in a battery, but um, graphite is already a pretty well-established industry. There's lots of supply around. Um, the chemistry is well understood. Um, the, you know, the, it's, it's dominated in China, and I think that's the opportunity, the, that the entire um, graphite industry is basically processed in China. Um, but there's a lot of it, and you can increase supply quite easily. Whereas lithium, you're going from a, a material that um, that has been a niche, tiny material for, for as long as I can remember, for decades, and now that's suddenly going to become a bulk material. So yeah. there's, a, there's a big change. There's a big change between those two narratives, right? Um, you know, copper, actually, interesting enough, used to be a precious metal. Um, 
you, people used to buy copper alongside gold and silver yeah. as a precious metal, but when industrial uses for copper turned up, that's when um, copper changed from being a, a niche material to a, a, base, a, metal. a base metal. Yeah, so uh, similar things happened to lithium, but but for uh, for graphite, I don't think that transition is quite. That's not what's happening. So I don't think sure. there's a, a, a base level of optimism that ought to be in graphite. This particular mine is astounding. It is maybe the best graphite mine in the world. Um, they're having a lot of issues because it's in Mozambique and they're having a lot of labor issues. The mine was shut down recently because of riots. Um, people stormed the mine and wouldn't let anyone oh. else get on. So that's a huge risk you're taking. But I think this, the value of this business is actually in its strategic value, a bit like Linus. They're the only miner outside of China that has a complete and working processing facility, um, which okay. is in the US, right? So there is value in that. Um, it's a billion dollar market cap, a lot of risk. If you're going to own this, make it a small position size because it's super risky. But I can see strategic value in this asset. Okay. Yeah. So All I'll right. go hold. Um, hold. I don't, I'm not gutsy enough to buy it. Yep. But I will note that the, the uh, governance issues on the mine site are causing the share price to go down. So if you ever wanted to take a look at it or tempted, now is probably now the, is the time. time to yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Let's recap the, uh, the final five stocks. Uh, Aura Bandera. A, a no sell from uh, from Gorav and uh, and Maitland. Uh, Maitland likes the um, the gold stocks, a whole range of them, including Gold Road. Um, uh, Gorav, that's the only one he buys. Not as enthusiastic on on gold stocks as Maitland. <laughs> uh, seek a sell and a, uh, from Gorav a no from Maitland. Solpats solid hold from both Element Twenty Five a no, uh, Sira a hold from Gorav and a no from Maitland. Mate, good to see you, mate. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your week. Gaurav, always good to great be to have you two here. Um, if you've got any stocks you'd like me to put to our expert panel, put them in an email or call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the Ausbiz TV handle. Coming up next, uh, John Garrett from MA Financial Group on the pulse, of course, in the March Investment Committee meeting, got added to the, uh, uh, to the fantasy portfolio. We'll find out about... MA Financial Group, that's next. Stick around. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.